welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you today. As a reminder, you can watch this show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We release two shows a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube, and you can also listen to them here on the podcast. As a reminder, we now have our Patreon live, patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. You get the weekly after show, a lot of fun there. You can watch it or listen to it as a podcast as well. Hope to see you over there, patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. If you like the show, consider leaving a five-star review in your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, helps us out a lot. And for all of our Vegas content, that's posts, podcasts, and videos, head to mtmvegas.com. Thanks for listening. Let's hit it. So Mark, they keep saying that Teslas are going to get stuck in tunnels, that we shouldn't do this whole boring Vegas loop. And we finally see video evidence of that, a Tesla stuck going down into a tunnel. Of course, they account for this. They know how to back Teslas out and everything else. But it is a good uh, point. What happens when they get stuck? Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't happen. Maybe it has, and they just didn't have video of it. But I'm waiting for the Tesla to start on fire, you know, like we see from time to time that Teslas do. There'd be nothing worse to me than getting stuck in a traffic jam, in a tunnel, in a car, like claustrophobia all over the place. So hopefully nothing happens major uh, when when it goes uh, widespread, when they have all the tunnels going. That would be crazy. I can't imagine uh, what the emergency exits are going to be like, though. They have to have them. Right now, you would just run to one end of the tunnel or the other. There's no exit. Just so you know, every driver has to do these like drills where they back out completely through the tunnel. So that's how they get the cars out if multiple are stuck in wrong directions. So you're safe, I guess, until something happens. Should, I don't know. I mean, shouldn't the Teslas do that themselves? Isn't that what they're all about? <laughs> the future is not now, Mark. The future <laughs> is not now. <laughs> Last year, we slowly watched the corner of Flamingo and Las Vegas Boulevard in front of what was Bally's and now Horseshoe slowly transform, kind of hide away the Grand Bazaar shops, which is something that many of us wanted. And Old Red, that big red building on the corner, is finally going to open. It's opening on the 15th, so Monday. So when this comes out, it's already open. Good to see this venue opening. I love it. It towers over that corner, but it's beautiful with that red brick facade. Yeah, it looks great. And I mean, kudos to them for getting it done so quick. Even when I was there... In mid-December, it didn't seem like it was this close to being done. I'm surprised they were able to wrap it all up that quickly. I know they're putting the painting. It's probably not even dry paint when they open, finishing touches for that. But it looks great. I mean, my only complaint is that it kind of towers over the strip, so you feel a little bit more enclosed when you're walking it. But outside of that, it looks amazing, big. A lot of uh, outdoor areas like patio type of things that I think will be really popular when it's not too hot out to watch all the people walking by and stuff. I think it will be a great venue. It all comes down to how service, food, and pricing is, but I think uh, the looks of it are, are perfect. Yeah, those vantage points looking out over Las Vegas Boulevard on that corner from those balconies and rooftop bar and stuff, that'll be great. I'm glad to see more of these venues kind of coming in. And as you said, it's a big improvement over the Grand Bazaar shops, what was there. That bottle blonde is still under construction, so that'll be the other big building that sort of covers everything up. I think it's maybe less than a year away at this point, but still a ways away. So that whole area, not quite going to be finished for a while, but Old Red is there. And it seems like they announced this place three years ago or something. I don't know. It's been forever, but glad to see it's finally here. That's just the 2020s. Every year feels like three years. That's the, that's all. Yeah, pretty much. So Breeze Airways is a new airline from the uh, people who launched JetBlue, 
I guess they're a budget carrier and they're sort of taking Allegiance playbook and they're going into smaller markets. They just launched a direct flight between Las Vegas and Gulfport, which is Biloxi. And we didn't have a direct flight. It's Fridays and Mondays and Biloxi sort of interesting. We have a whole video on Biloxi on the channel if you want to see kind of what the casinos look like there. A lot of like old school Vegas brands there, a lot of interesting stuff like the Hard Rock Golden Nugget. There's a Harris there that, you know, you probably should avoid. Of course, Beau Rivage, which is the baby Bellagio. I thought it was worth covering for Vegas locals who want to head over to Biloxi, see it. Very easy. It used to suck because you had to connect in Texas somewhere and, you know, it took forever. And then Friday and Monday service is, is great. Those are good days for, for most people. The only downside with only having one route and a low-cost carrier is if you get stranded or delayed or they have to cancel a flight, you're kind of stuck there. Who knows when you'll get back out. That's the downside, but most of the time that goes off without a hitch. Now we just need somebody to break into Laughlin. Let's get a flight there. Save me the two-hour drive so I can go back to Majestic Laughlin. You just got to get back in Caesar's good graces so they invite you to one of those charters so you don't have to... <laughs> those are always like fly out Tuesday, come back like, you know, Thursday night. It's always weird dates that you don't want, the time of the year you don't want to go, and it's, it's never a convenient weekend, long weekend type of thing. I need to be retired so I can do that whenever I want. <laughs> I have a feeling when you're retired, you're just going to be in Laughlin all the time based on how much you love the place. <laughs> so just to mention Breeze, I have a lot of friends who've flown them. They like them. It's a new carrier. I haven't flown them personally, but I wouldn't hesitate to do this if you're interested in getting down there. Gulfport Airport, I have flown in there. Very small airport. Cool to get to. I think 20, 25 minutes to Biloxi. So yeah, check that out. Rio's Food Court, we're getting a little bit more information on the venues inside. Vital Vegas shared some of the menus. And I'm really interested in the pricing. Of course, they have the Tony Luke's from Philadelphia with cheesesteaks, their own burger concept from in-house, you know, ramen, sushi, all that stuff you expect. Basically, entrees $13, $15, $16. It seems a little less than the strip food halls, but still pricier than, you know, normal stuff. And this is in an area with tons of restaurants right next to Chinatown. There's a lot to eat in that area that, you know, is probably similarly priced. So I wonder how it's going to draw people in. Yeah. And then you have to wonder, is the food as good as you could get from those local restaurants just a, a little bit away? So I, I, my biggest problem with all these food halls, and we saw it at Durango, we've seen it pretty much everywhere, is they never put enough seating. Like in, in looking at these pictures, it doesn't look like they have enough seating for, you know, six restaurants or whatever it be. There's going to be a lot of people in there at a time. And I know a lot of the time they probably go unused, but in heavy flux you know, around the meal times, there's not anywhere to sit and you don't want people walking around with their food. It's just, it's a lousy experience. So I don't know why they don't add a bit more seat, maybe one less restaurant, more seating. I don't know. It's, it just has always annoyed me. And that's a huge space. So that surprises me. So we'll see how it finally comes together when they open it. It's getting pretty close. It should be in the next, what, month, month and a half. We see all the frontages. Uh, I've seen some kind of peaks behind the, the curtain there. So uh, we'll see. But this is their first, I think, big renovation. We've seen them paint the building. We've seen some new rooms come online. But in the casino, nothing has changed. So this is the first sort of dreamscapes, I don't know, footprint on the place. It's good to see, you know, something without Guy Fieri and Gordon Ramsay in there. You know, the same run over type of rehashed uh, stuff we see in all the food courts. It's good to get some different options than what we're used to, at least in name. I'm, taste might be the same menu might be similar, but at least uh, they have a chance to do something different. I mean, they missed an opportunity to have Bobby's Burgers, though. I don't know what they're doing coming up with their own burger concept because 
Bobby's Burgers is where it's at. So uh, missed opportunity there. Fiesta Henderson site is under review. You know, the city bought it, what, for $32 million last year. And they're talking about doing some sort of a park or sports complex. They've finally been having meetings with everybody in the community. And we've said they want to partner with a private entity, a company to come in and sort of develop the site. So maybe you'll have sports courts along with shopping And they're finally moving forward with this. February 5th is the deadline for any bids, and we'll finally find out what's going to happen there. So the city moving forward with that site, trying to make it work for the community, which is good. It's a weird thing in Las Vegas where you lose a casino and you gain a park, and that's a good thing. But I think some people in the community probably miss the casino. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it depends on who you are and and what you like. But it's better than just building some Amazon warehouses or something like we've seen at other spots outside of housing. I don't know what else would help the area more as far as community and opening up to to everybody that lives there something that's useful to them. I like, you know, the ideas that they've come up with so far, and hopefully something pretty cool goes in there. Yeah, I'm excited. They got a giant parking garage to start with. So there's that. I mean, that's what's left there. So it's easier to get in and out of than Fountain Blue or about the same? (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. It's a it's a well-built one. So let's talk Fountain Blue. It seems like every show we're saying negative things here, and I don't like that. But unfortunately, it does seem to be the reality that their launch has not been going as well as planned. We talked about how they lost basically the guy running the casino. And now we've lost two more top executives. Colleen Birch, the chief operating officer, and Shane Smith, the chief marketing officer, are now gone. We don't know why they're gone. But this is three of the top executives in the casino now gone in the first, what, month or so. There was an interesting article, Messenger, that talked about, from a local's perspective, somebody who lives in one of the condo towers on the strip, sort of the experience and what locals are doing with tier matching. What's really interesting is how unpopular Fountain Blue has been because they didn't tier match. You know, you and I play the loyalty game, so tier matching a big part of our thing, but it seems like it's become very mainstream in casinos. And I think back the last few years about all the tier matches, and it does seem like casinos have used it as a way to sort of lure people in, and they understand that they're giving benefits, and there's a cost to that, but they get play, and Fountain Blue's not playing that game, and people are upset about it. So it's an interesting article that basically hits all of the points we've talked about, lost big executives. You can't argue that there's not trouble there at Fountain Blue, given all this news. What do they give up? A $150 dinner, $100 dinner, whatever, with the gold status. And that's just bringing, I mean, that's that's a cost. But they're usually going to go over that. And, and then it brings people into the restaurant. If they like it, they're going to come back. They're probably going to gamble when they're there. It gets people in the door. Even just to come to do the match, they're probably going to do some gambling or, or dining when they come to do the match. So you get them in there at least twice. And you know, get, getting repetition, somebody goes to a place a couple times, has a positive experience, they're going to want to go back versus just wants to go peek at it and see what it's like and, and leave without really experiencing it. So this forces them to experience it somewhat. I'm surprised they didn't do it, especially when we see like Hard Rock's been doing the match for what, like a year now? The article makes a great point. They're not, you know, a Caesars or an MGM where they have a list of players to work off of or even like own casinos in other states that they can draw from. Like they're starting from zero unless they've bought some info from a a different provider. But you need all the people you can get, like oversell it, spend the money, get them in there, fill up the place, create a vibe, and hopefully you retain some of them. It's a lot better than being stuffy and acting like you don't need them. And he makes another great point. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're kind of, there's dirt on both sides of you. There's not foot traffic. You're not going to get that draw that you get in the south end of the strip. So 
it's a weird choice. And I wonder, they said these people left on their own accord. I wonder if they were frustrated by all of this and this was decisions coming from Miami type of thing. And they're like, you don't understand this isn't going to work. And that's why they left. Yeah. These executives have all been at big companies for 20, 25, 30 years. They are you know, well-established in the space. So there's definitely a disconnect between management and the ownership or whatever's going on. The biggest problem with that tier match is that they offered it for a day. Everybody heard about it and then they got denied. And that was, you know, it felt bad. I was there on day two. Obviously, I was there on day one filming, didn't get to do the tier match. I went early morning day two and got denied and it didn't feel good. It didn't make me feel good about the place. I'm over it, but a lot of people not happy about it. And yeah, the location, everything else. So this story is at the beginning, I think. And we'll see how this place evolves. It has to evolve. And we've seen Resorts World go over the top with all their marketing and their special events. And that's worked out really well for them. Every holiday, there's a special event, special DJs. What will Fountain Blue do? A great point of that is one of these execs that left came from Resorts World. Another came from Cosmo. So they should have leaned into that. Like, you know, the Cosmo vibe, it works. It it draws people in. And then you also know the Resorts World, what their struggles have been. They were right across the street. They didn't start, you know, with all these promos and all this different stuff to try to draw people in. They tried kind of similar to Fountain Blue. Like, hey, we're new. That should be enough. We're going to be fancy. All that stuff. And it didn't really resonate with anyone. So now they're trying to do that. They're playing catch up. You should have noticed that. Like, you think, yes, it's a better product than Resorts World. But you're the, the same logistical nightmare that they have, you have. Maybe even more so because you're surrounded by nothing besides Circus Circus. I don't know. And then th- he talks about... He went to uh, the sports book in the article, asked them, you know, hey, can I reserve a table for the weekend of football games, NFL games? They said it's $5,000 with a $1,000 minimum. Couch or sofa is $10,000 with a $2,000 minimum. Who's spending that kind of money to, to sit in a sports book when you can go to a bar and do the same thing? I, I just don't get it. Like, you don't have that kind of cachet yet. Maybe 10 years from now, when you're the place, I don't even know if Cosmo has the cachet to pull that off. It's just, it's bizarre. Like what they think they are versus what they are, are very wide apart. Now, to be fair, there are other casinos. Circuit charges a ton for their sports book for reserve seating. So it's not like they're doing it by themselves. But as your point, they're not established there. Their sports book design is terrible because it's buried in the back of a restaurant that doesn't seem approachable. Half the time, the entrances are closed. You look at the George over at uh, Durango, how open the sports book is there how you can see it from the casino floor, all the screens. So yeah, I think the design there isn't great. As always, chime in in the comments what you think about this and let us know. We want this place to succeed. It's beautiful. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be fun if there wasn't a little struggle or a little, you know, if it was just lights out from the beginning. I don't know. What fun would that be? It could be fun. It could be fun. (laughs) It could have been like Circa where they knew what they were. They knew what they were going after and they did it well. They could have done that. The last line of the article is kind of like they'll figure it out sooner. It's just what will the name be and who will own it at that point? As a reminder, our Patreon is now live. $5 a month gets you access to the MTM Vegas after show. You can watch it, listen to it as a podcast, patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. Thanks to everybody who supports us over there. The Maloofs have been a name in Vegas forever. Of course, they built the Palms. They've done many other things. The Maloof brothers were famous owners of the Sacramento Kings for a long time, and they're minority owners of the Golden Knights. What's really interesting, Mark, we talked about that Las Vegas TV show. The Maloofs are all over season one of that. They just show up everywhere, like at random restaurants, and they were really all in on being in that. 
you don't see them as much anymore, but they've decided to sell their minority stake in the Golden Knights to the Foley family, the majority owners, all except a sister, Adrian Maloof, who's keeping her stake. So the Maloof's kind of a little bit out in this Vegas sports scene these days. I wouldn't sell my stake. I mean, is there anything skyrocketing more than the value of that team? Lifelong dream to own a sports team, I think, for anybody that enjoys sports. So I'm guessing they got a good payday. Maybe they weren't in in it just for the fandom of it all. Uh, just to help out in the beginning type of thing. But I'd hold on to that forever. Maybe they're going to build another casino, Mark. Maybe that's what they need the money for. The Palms yeah. was so interesting because it was such a popular, hot place when it opened. I mean, everybody wanted to go there. They really made that uh, kind of sexy scene work off the strip. You know, they had their Playboy partnership. There's just a lot that they did really well. The ghost bar, everything in the beginning. And then we saw stations buy it and the sort of the disaster. Now it's a locals casino owned by one of the gaming tribes. So it's just a fascinating transition of a property. But when they launched the Palms, the Maloofs captured that sort of essence. Everybody wanted to be there. It was the hot place. And, uh, you know, it would be cool to see them own another casino at some point. That's what they need to do. They need to have like their own real world at Fountain Blue. Somebody <laughs> living in the suite. Maybe they should just do all like Vegas vloggers and they get voted off the, the Fountain Blue Island each week and <laughs> drum up some uh, interest there. There you go. So, Mark, I was down at Virgin and Ellis Island this weekend and I wanted to talk a little bit about it. First off, Virgin on a Saturday night, there was a concert there, but this was the busiest I've ever seen it, which was great. Got there, I think, around five-ish, and it was, you know, there was people there for sure. Huge check-in line for the hotel. Great to see that. And then as the night went on, the vibe changed the casino from very quiet. They had the DJ over there and where the center bar used to be. So he's pumping out tunes and the concert's going, a lot of people in the casino. And I want to compliment the cocktail service because the cocktail servers, not only were there plenty of them, they would come back and ask you every five or ten minutes if you needed another drink. Amazing service there. And uh, we spent a couple hours. Jasmine hit a couple bonuses, which kept her going. I think she broke even in the end. So that was a successful night. So it was nice to kind of hang out there a little bit and see it lively and busy. Something I haven't seen really before. Yeah, rest in peace, Center Bar, man. I wish they would just bring that back. We saw it come back, <laughs> come back to the Dirty Castle. We need it back at uh, Virgin. It, it was such a unique and cool thing. Like, that's the first time I went to Hard Rock was just to experience that bar and, and the voices bouncing off of it. So the fact that it's not there anymore is sad, and I wish they would bring bring it back. Good to hear that everybody was there. It was busy and kind of a revitalization a little bit, maybe that going on there. So I still got to check out the hotel. It always looks nice and only heard good things about it. And if we can get people on the gaming floor, they'll, they'll bring their own energy to it. So that's good. And you know, the restaurants, they have good restaurants. I, I know you mentioned that they're still a little bit overpriced, but it's good food and, and worth a trip just for that. I think you're paying strip food prices, which I don't think is great in that area. There are other restaurants you can walk to, but not the area you really want to be walking around too much. Hofbrau House or across the street. So there's still some challenges there location-wise, I think, and it's not the easiest to get to the Strip. You know, Uber's going to cost you 15, 20 bucks, depending on the surges and, and everything else. But it felt a little bit more like the Hard Rock days. That's what I really enjoyed. Casino's still way too dark. You still have that airport shop problem, those Hudsons, and it just looks like an airport in the shop. So, so weird. Not perfect, but it was great to see the place lively. I hadn't seen it that busy since the Hard Rock days, and I enjoyed it. So wanted to give them a shout out. And the cocktail service, again, fantastic. So in a day where it's getting harder and harder you know just to get a service and they had perriers because i wasn't drinking alcohol so perrier bottles were flowing what more could you ask for popping bottles <laughs> exactly yeah but i got a craving for the fish and chips at uh, village pub at ellis island and i was like hey we're just around the corner so let's drive there 
And we did. And, you know, I had never parked in the garage at Ellis Island. So you know what I love to do? Go to the top of parking garages. Ellis Island's parking garage is terrible. It's tiny and like the clearance around corners (laughs) is bad. And you almost get in an accident every time you turn a corner and it's like six stories high. So it took forever to get up there. But the views were incredible. Great views of the strip. You're a little bit sort of behind it. Amazing views of the sphere, too. Now, there are power lines in between you and the sphere, but just great close-up views of that. Big panorama of the Strip. So shout out to their parking garage, even though you're risking your car driving up there. And of course, Ellis Island was packed on a Saturday night. I mean, I've never been in Ellis Island, no matter what time of day, what day of the week, that it isn't somewhat busy. And they just do good business. Affordable prices, good food, good drinks, cheap beer, a cool atmosphere. It's not as good as it used to be when they had the dealers dancing and all that stuff. Uh, that was always kind of fun and unique, but I've always had a good time at Ellis Island. And then how does the the fish and chips compare to, you know, because I've seen them there. They always look great. Never had them, you know, always do the steak thing and all that stuff. But how does it compare to Gordon Ramsay? So the fish and chips is very good. They give you four pieces of fish, which is, I think, very generous for $14.99. It's hand breaded. Mine on that night, I've had it before, was a little bit undercooked, but it's very flavorful. And then the $10 steak special is still a thing going there. Now you have to play $5 and then you get a coupon for $2 off. So it's like 15 bucks if you don't have a player's card or anything. With your player's card, it's 12 bucks. If you play 5 bucks, you get another 2 bucks off. That makes it the $10 special. But it's a 10 ounce sirloin, comes with super salad, potato and vegetable. Still a solid deal. The steak was decent quality. My wife had it. So yeah, overall, I mean, you can't argue 15 bucks for the fish and chips, 10 bucks for the steak. That's a cheap dinner, great prices. I mean, the food there is definitely one of the better values in Vegas. It's like a dive casino in the best way, not not meant in a bad way, but it's like a dive casino. Just everybody there is always so cool and so nice. Even like the, the random people, they get free drinks, free beers from players, cars, coupons and stuff. And I've been sitting there and they just are like, here, do you want a free beer? I'm like, well, they're only two bucks, but okay, sure. I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, it's just always a good time. I, I'm sad I didn't wasn't able to make it out there last trip. I uh, definitely need to make it out uh, when I'm out there for the Super Bowl. There is one problem with Ellis Island that it's hard to get over, Mark, and it's that they don't have carpet. There's no casino carpet there. It's like hard flooring. I guess too many people dirtying the place up. So if you love casino carpet, Ellis Island is not for you. But other than that, it's a great place and one that I'm surprised that Jasmine and I haven't visited more over the years. Popped in there, you know, over the last few years, more as we talk about it and stuff. But it never really hit our radar as a locals place, but tons of locals in there and tons of tourists too. So check it out. It's a place that's better than the sum of its parts, right? You kind of look at it, you're yeah. like, oh, it's got a motel building, a small casino. There's a few restaurants here, but you go in there. The vibe is great. The food is great. And you're like, oh, this is a great place, even though you might not expect that from the surface. Yeah, and I've actually walked there multiple times from the Strip. I mean, some people might feel like it's not the best place to walk, but I've never had a problem, and it's fine. It doesn't take too long, like 10, 15 minutes maybe. Never had a problem doing it. And then the only thing I've not gotten to experience there that I wish, I hope they bring it back. We had reservations, but then I had to cancel the trip. I forget why. But uh, the Tiki Bar that they had on the second floor, wish I could have seen that. Always for next time. You gotta get, I got to get their eggnog one of these years. So, so much to do there. Let us know what you guys think about Ellis Island, Virgin Hotels, Fountain Blue, everything else we discussed in this video. We do two shows a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. We'll be back in a couple days with another show. As you can see, the Packers and the Lions both won marks, so it was a good week football-wise for us. So uh, we're looking forward to the playoffs and then uh, eventually the Packers beating the Lions in the NFC Championship. Uh, We'll have to see about that, but thank you, Packers, for giving me another home game that we were supposed to get all along before the refs uh, jobbed us out of it. So happy to get that. Excited to go. 
uh, this upcoming weekend and, and cheer on the team and still waiting, you know, Monday night, we'll figure out who we're playing, but excited to see it. So thanks so much for watching. Hit us up in the comments and we'll see you guys next time. Have a good week, everybody. Go Lions!